All right, today, as we said, this is the second installment of the Curtain series we talked about earlier. And we're going to be talking about what we believe God is calling us to do as far as having a greater church investment looks like. And so this morning, I really want to start from the beginning and ask the question, what was God's intention or idea, what was God's big idea when, when he came up with the idea of the church? You ever think about that? Like, what was the big idea for the church? Why, what was God's plan for the church? And I don't think necessarily that, that, that God had any other, any other plan for the church other than carry out his mission. I think God created the church to carry out his mission, right? And so as we look at that this morning, what I really want you to see, I want, you to, I want your eyes of your heart to be open. And to get there, you have to wake up. To get there, you have to open your heart. You have to be soft-hearted. You have to wake up to what God's trying to do. If you come in here and you've been burdened by the world and you've been burned and you've been hurt and all these other things and Satan's trying to wear you out, it's going to cause you to be just, just numb. And this is going to bounce off and you're just going to hear God talking for, for a little while. And then, but if your heart is soft, God's going to change your heart through the reading of the Scripture. And so have a soft heart this morning because I want you to see this morning that not only was the church God's idea, it was God's plan A to redeem the world to himself. So if, it, if, the church, if, the, if the church is God's plan A to redeem the world outside those walls, the world in general to himself, to carry the message of the gospel to the world, then our jobs as the church is pretty important, right? It's important. It's not, it cannot be done lazily. It cannot be done half-heartedly. It cannot be done, I'll go if I feel better. It can't be done, I'll go to a connect group, I'll be a part of a community if, I, if, if they like me. You know, it can't be done that way. It has to be done in a way that God had planned it. The church is God's plan A to introduce people far from God to the love of God. And if we're not doing that, then we're not doing our job as the church. But here's the sad part, and I, I know there's people in here like this. The moment that I mentioned the word church, the love of God was the last thing that came to our mind. Probably. My, and I have experience with that. For a long time, the church has been, one of the, has been the one thing that has kept people away from the love of God by the way they've treated people. Can we agree with that? You know, you know we've shunned people because they, they've sinned differently than us. Right? People, people sin different than me, and it doesn't look, I, I, sh I shun those people. We shun the poor and the lost because they look different than us or in different socioeconomic classes than us. Like that's what the big C church has done for a long time. But even with all the jacked upness of the church, it's still God's plan A to redeem the world to himself. It's still God's plan A to reach the world with his love. We just need a perspective change. We need a good perspective to see who we really are. Without Christ, to be able to see who we really are with Christ. Y'all wait this morning? Y'all got that turkey going on, don't y'all? That turkey, yeah. Y'all still turkey. -ing. I know, I'm telling you. But if you're here today, if you're here today and you've been beat up by the church, if you've been beat up by the church and you're like, this is my last chance to church, if you've been, I want to tell you something this morning that from the bottom of my heart, I am so, 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 so sorry that, that happened to you. I'm so sorry that the church gave you a bad a bad taste in your mouth. I'm sorry that it happened, but I'm here to confess to you right now this morning that if you stick around Connection Church long enough, you will be disappointed. You'll be disappointed in me. You'll be disappointed in somebody. You know why? Because we're people, and we all sin. We have sin in our hearts that, that, we're, trying to, that we're trying to go to the Lord with. You'll be, you'll be disappointed in those things, and, and, and honestly, guys, I may have done this already, but I'll eventually say something that might offend you. I don't want to, 
But if I do, let's talk about it and let me apologize or whatever. But I may do that because I'm a human being. And you may do the same thing to me. But as a church, that's the good thing about it is we're imperfect people coming under a perfect Savior to live our lives in a way the best way we can as a church to show the love of Jesus because a changed life is what brings people to Jesus. What pe- the testimony of a changed life is what brings the heart out of who Jesus is. And if you're here today and that's you, let me tell you, like, he will never disappoint you because I promise you this church that, that, that thank goodness that this place is not centered on any man on this stage or, or anybody other than Jesus Christ, and he won't ever disappoint you, I promise. He will never disappoint you because God's plan is still, still to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. And I want to read a scripture, and, as, and what I read in scripture is, is what he wants to do, with, he wants to use us as the church to reach the ends of the earth. That's what I read. He wants to use the church as a body to reach the ends of of the earth. He's, he could just snap his fingers and everybody could be reached, right? Because he's God, he's sovereign, he's good, he's huge, he's big. He could just do this, everybody gets saved, right? But no, he, he, he gives us free will. He gives us love and he wants us to go out and we set our, as we set out on this journey as a church together, I realize there are people that are here and that are just going through the motions just to check off the church box for the week. And, and I realize that. But then there are also people in this room who are all in. I'm, no matter what, I'm all in. No matter what comes, they, they, they are all in to see the mission of God carried out no matter what it looks like. And no matter what, which camp you're in this morning, no matter which side of that line that I just drew on that you're in, you're, you're in this morning, I don't care. I'm just glad you're here. My heart is that we would all start to see what we are doing here, what God is lining our hearts up to do, that our eyes will be open, that, that life is more than just the day-to-day mundane things that we get weighed down with, the responsibilities, that God has a huge plan for each person in this room. When God thought about you to create you, he created you with a purpose. It wasn't just wasted space or energy or matter. He created you to be a, a useful tool for the church, for the gospel to be administered to the, to the ends of the earth whether that's across the street or across the ocean. And what is that in your life? And are you using it? Or are you just going through life? But my heart is that we would wake up. And so I want to look at Scripture in Acts 2. Everybody's going to love this. Acts 2, 42 through 47, everybody. Here we go. Um, I want to look at the church and what God is doing in, this, in, the, in the beginning of the church. 3,000 people had just come to Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's great. That's awesome. If we had a day like that, I'd say that's a good Sunday. Listen, 3,000 people come to Jesus, get baptized, and now they're a part of the church. They're like, now what? What what do we do? Well, they're following the disciples. This is what it says. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen. It says, uh, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Those four things make up our cultures at this church. Just in case you didn't know, you can underline those or read the letter. Anyone, everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It doesn't mean they all agreed. It means they had the one thing in common that they had to have in common, which was Jesus, him, died, resurrected, coming again. The gospel was what they had in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were generous. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They went to church together. They broke bread. They ate, hallelujah, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they were being faithful to what God had called them to do, and God added the numbers. We were called to make disciples. God has called us to make disciples so that he could build the church. 
So we'll be faithful in what we do. He'll be faithful in what he's called us to do. And looking at this thing, I see people who are generous, people who are fired up because they saw their eyes became open to who Jesus was, and they began to live for that. And so this morning, guys, are we in that place? Let me tell you, these people were doing life together. They were doing things together in, in unison. And let me tell you, if you're doing this Christian thing alone, then you ain't doing it right. If you're here this morning and you're not connected some way with a community of believers, you're not doing it right. We're called to be in fellowship, in fellowship to grow and become who God has created us to be. And if you don't believe me, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. I know we're flipping around the Bible a little bit, but it's okay. We're at church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Easy to find. 12, 12. When you get there, cut your nose. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. It's weird. It says this. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So what he's doing is he's, he's, he's using an analogy of the body. For we were all baptized, all, these, all Christians, all Christians were baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It, wouldn't for, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in the fact that God, God has placed these parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And what these verses tell us is that God reveals a part of himself through each of us. God reveals a part of himself through each of us. How awesome is that? That is awesome. For those of you who are sleeping, that is awesome. God reveals a part of himself through me, through you, through us together. He reveals a part of himself in the church. And the best way I can describe it is, does anybody know what a mosaic is? A mosaic, like a, if you don't know, just go Google it. I can't explain it right now because I'm not that smart. But basically, each tile of glass is beautiful on its own. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful color. It shines. The light shines through it. It's beautiful. And it creates, a, it creates this awe and wonder. But when the whole mosaic comes together and combines, it creates something far more beautiful than, as, than the as the places and the pieces fit together, right? The whole picture looks better than one little part. And it's the same way with Jesus. There are parts of Jesus that I will only know by knowing you. Are you following me with this? There are parts of Jesus that I will only know by knowing you. And in the same way, vice versa, because certain dimensions of his beauty have been revealed in your life, they may not have been revealed in mine. And each one of us portrays a picture of Christ that is incomplete until it is placed next to the other pieces. Do you see that? Are we, are we together? Listen, the, the pieces fit together and it creates a beautiful picture and that's what the church is. And that's the body. And if you really, really want to know who Jesus is, if you want to know who Jesus is and about Jesus, being involved in the local church is crucial. In the local church, in a small group, in a body of believers is crucial because what Scripture tells us is that the power of God flows through the church. The power of God flows through the church. So if you want the power of God to be at work in your life, around you, in your family, in your house, you need to be involved in the church. That's what Scripture says as we read. I always say this at Connection Church. Every time I say this from this stage, I feel like I've said it a million times every single week, every single week. 
that it's hard just to blend in here. You can't just come to Connection Church because every single week, Meredith, Eric, somebody else, me, anybody, are going to get up here and we're going to give you a next step to take. Here's your next step. Here's your next step. Here's your next step. Take this step. Here it is. Take this step because we want you to be taking your next step in your faith, whether it's salvation or baptism or heart and soul or connect groups or connect group leadership or serving or giving or going or outreaches or mission trips. We have all these things to be fulfilled by you, by the body. And I hear some people say that they love Jesus but don't see the need to be involved in the local church. But I'm going to tell you today is that the church is the bride of Christ. And I've said this in here before too, is if you come, in, if you come into my house or you come into this church and you say, hey, man, you want to come eat at our house? But we don't want Savannah to come because we don't really like her that much. But we like you. Me and you are going to have a problem from the start. I'm not, we're going to have an issue. Me and you are going to have a very dysfunctional relationship if you don't like my bride. Right? If you, if you say, hey, I like you but not her, we're going to have a problem. I may hit you. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person. Remember, I told you, hey, I'm a, I'm a sinner, remember? Listen, my wife and I are connected. We're, we're one flesh is what Scripture says. And it's the same with the church. And it's time for us to stop separating the church from Jesus because it's his bride. And a lot of Christians try to do life alone, and they pray to God and ask him to help them with their problems. It's like, it's like they expect God to zap them from heaven with some Holy Ghost taser gun or something. I don't know. But they, it's kind of like, God, help us in our marriage. God, help us in our marriage, Lord. And it's like he's going to zap you when you wake up one morning playing the harp, totally in love, and you're not selfish anymore. Right? That's what we're expecting, Right? Right, that's what we expect as humans because that's what we think about a lot of times. You know, and then if he doesn't do it that way, well, I guess I could, I could go to get some help from the church, but that's plan B, right? Even some of us this morning may have been praying for the power, but if you're not connected to the church, the body of Christ, then I believe it's like this. I believe that God is saying like this, why are you asking me to work in your life and I put my power over here and you're not connected to it? Right? I mean, are you tracking with me on this? The body. And hear me right, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about being planted, rooted, invested in the work of the kingdom of God through the local church. Having some skin in the game, an investment. Seeing the bigger picture. Man, I see it. And then following it. Wherever you want me to go, Jesus, I'm going. Honoring him with our time, our treasure, and our talent. And one day... Listen, one day, here's a good example, analogy, illustration, just hit me. Here we go. One day, your elbow itches, right? You have an itchy, anybody have, have any, okay, itchy elbows, okay. So it sends a little, it send, your elbow sends a little message to your brain, I itch, right? So what, what, how, what does your brain do? Does it send down a no itch answer to prayer and, and supernaturally the itch is gone? No, that's not what happens. No, it tells your fingers to go scratch your elbow. Now, what's the, the, my question is, what scratched you, your brain or your finger? It's a stupid question. It's your brain through your finger. And how does God do this in our life? Think about that. How does God do that? Through his body. Through his body. So again, the right thing to do, the way we think, is to have to ask, what right do we think do we have to ask God if we've separated ourselves from the place where his power dwells for help? for power to be able to do those things because he's given it to the body of Christ together moving forward as one. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was dwelling in the Holy of Holies inside the temple. But guess where it dwells now? Inside of us. Inside of us. And when we come together, we see the bigger picture of who Jesus is going forward with the gospel. That is an army 
that I don't think Satan wants a part of. Moving by the will of the Holy Spirit. The connection, our heart is for people to come in here to meet Jesus. Listen, I ask people every, every week for, like, does Jesus, do, you, do you want to make a decision to follow Jesus? We have an altar call every week. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't get disappointed from week to week if somebody doesn't raise their hand because I desire for you to know Jesus in a way that you come alive, that you wake up, that it, it, it illuminates who you are to grow and to allow God's giftings to come alive in you that he's put inside of you to see the kingdom built in the areas where God is leading us as a church because you have a place here. There's a place for you in this church to put your giftings to use, not just to come and warm a seat once a week. You have a place here. And we want to see that come alive in you, not so that we can use you for your talents, but so that we can work together as a body. That's our heart at this church. And some questions to ask yourself is to see where you're at in this is, has the mission of God become personal to me? Has it? You. Is the mission of God personal to me? If it's not, then where are we at with Jesus? Because if the mission of God is not personal to me, I'm not sure if I can say Jesus is my Lord. I might be able to say he's, you know, he's awesome. I'm a fan of him. But if he's my Lord, then his, his mission is my mission. His, his desires are, are my desires. You know, and another question is, has, has the mission of any church you've been a part of become your personal mission? Have you, have you opened yourself up to that? Have you, have, you, have you given yourself to the mission that God's given a specific church? Have you invested? Have you poured into it? Or have you gone from church to church to church to church because things weren't like you wanted them to be? Those are some hard questions to ask. And are we always thinking about how I could do this better? I could do this better. They don't need to do it that way. I can, they need to do it this way. You know, or, or, or have you been a spectator of just looking in from the outside? God wants us to be involved in what he's wanting to do in the church. And I promise you, at this church, it's never about the pastor. If anybody wants to preach, I would gladly trade places with you. I just want to be a part of what God's doing. I believe he's working in this place. And I believe he's doing something mighty. The next question is, have you generously invested your time, your talent, your treasure to see the kingdom of God built and the mission of God carried out? And, you know, this is what I've been preaching this whole time is you need the church as a believer, and the church needs you. You need a church, and the church needs you because the church is better off when you're invested in it. And you're better off when you're invested in the church. Isn't that cool how that works? It works together. The church needs you, and you need the church. And this past year, it's been 11 months, almost 12 months, God has done so much through this church because of some of your involvement, because of some of your giftings that you've allowed to, to be used, to, be, to rise to the top, to be used in the, for the kingdom. And I believe, and we're believing him for so much more for the years to, for the years to come, for the t- 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Whenever I'm gone, this church will still be thriving because of your generosity, because of your investment, because of your trailblazing. Because we're seeing millions of people affected with the gospel because of what you're doing here today. Isn't that cool to think about that? Years down the road, how many people are going to be affected with what you've done, the groundwork that you've laid? And we want this to be a place of, of hope. My heart is at Connection Church. When you walk in these doors, you feel hope. You feel like, man, this place, is, I, I love these people. These people love me. I want to get involved. I want this place to be a lighthouse of freedom in our community. To prepare as we prepare for this move in January, I, I, want this to, I want us to get some momentum in our community where we're saying, man, Jesus first. Anything you want, we're going after. We're going to love people relentlessly. 
And over the past 11 months, man, we've seen 11 people, excuse me, 13 people go from death to life in Christ by receiving salvation, by trusting Jesus. That's awesome. 13 people. We've seen 17 baptisms. People saying, there's four people on the other side of that that said, hey, I'm, I trust in Jesus, but I, have, I, mean, I, I need to get baptized. 54 people have gone through our heart and soul program. 54 people in the, since January. And, we're wanting, and they want to get more invested because they see what God's doing. 61, 61 people have signed up for Connect Group since we started. That's on top of the 40 or 50 that were already in Connect Groups. 61 people. 30 students have been involved in our student ministry since April. 30 students. It's phenomenal what's happening in that student program. God is moving. Two of the students in there got saved and baptized recently. Listen, 30 students, 99 kids have gone through our kids program in Connection Kids. We're, we, don't, we don't retain all those 99, obviously, because there's visitors and things like that, but 99 have heard the gospel at least once through our kids ministry. This is the part that I love, but it also gets me, all, it gets me kind of discouraged a little bit. 264 first-time guests have come through our, our doors and have come back at least three times. 254. That means we need to retain some people. We need to understand that people have a place in this building and in this house to be able to use their talents and abilities and giftings to see God move. And as we move in the future, as we move into the future, the few years to come, we believe God has called us to be all in in reaching our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria, and we plan on doing nothing less than our best. Nothing less. To, to that, and that means the people who call Connection Church home. If you're in here today and you're saying, this is my church home. This is where I go to church. This is my place. This is my family. This is my home. You should be characterized by your growth in Christ because you're taking next steps. And that means you need to be killing. I need to be killing passivity in my life. Passivity means I'm expecting somebody else to do the job. Passivity means I'm sitting back and letting somebody else do it. We need to be killing passivity and following Jesus wherever he, wherever he leaves. And we believe when that happens, God will reveal himself like he never has before. Some goals we have in this room is we want to raise up a generation in our Connection Kids ministry that will be phenomenally ministering to their, to their peers and their schools and in their jobs as they graduate. We want people to be articulate in, in, in sharing the gospel with people, to be, to be powerful examples of what, what children what teenagers, what adults should be. I want to see a thriving special needs program at Connection Church in Pooler at our church soon. And we've already had talks about how to do this and what the best way is to do that because God has given us the opportunity to minister to multiple families with children with special needs. And we want to share the gospel with them in ways they understand how much Jesus loves them and for their parents to know, their parents to know that they can sit in a worship service and not be concerned about their children or whether or not they're loved or cared for and, and valued. And we want to see connect group leaders. If anybody's in a connect group leader, you know what a connect group leader does. We want to see a connect group leader multiply. Leaders that are raising up leaders. That, that means people in connect groups, the people who are attending the groups, need to stop running from leadership and own it and step into it. Stop running from those things. Step into leadership. We want to see a new connect group started every six months. Every six months, a new connect group starts or either multiplies. I know it scares some people. It's okay. And we believe God has gifted this, this group of people up here that lead us in worship, right? We have an awesome worship team, and we want to raise up people who are gifted in those areas up here and see them become leaders and not just musicians. If you're gifted and, and talented in music, you're not going to be up here just singing and just playing. You, you're you're going to be a leader in this church that is, that is raising up other people 
That, that's the heart of people on this stage and in this, in this area. Is we want to see our guest services, the people in the blue shirts. Everybody sell the blue shirts today? We want to see people in those, in those areas and those volunteers who are owning the vision. This is not Connection Church's vision anymore. It's mine. This is my vision. I'm going after it. I'm going after these people who own that vision and are loving on the people as they walk in the doors each day. And to see this happen, we will be a church that gives God our first and our best in all that we do. We have to be. And our vision here at Connection is not ever going to be to have a group of people basking in the gifts of one leader, but a group of people empowered to be leaders themselves. Empowered to be leaders themselves. Not a group of people coming to be awed by the power of God in any pastor or any ministry leader, but a group of people being released to take God's power into their community. That's what it's about. The greatest access of power, this is what I see, the greatest access of power is not, is not in me in this church. It's, it's in you going into the community. That's where it's at. And I believe the best ideas for ministry, every, every good idea for ministry doesn't come from me, it comes from you. If you come to me ever, and some of you know this already, if you come to me and say, hey, pastor, we need, this, we need this type of ministry at our church. We need a women's ministry. We need a men's ministry. And some of you know this from experience, but I'm going to tell you most of the time, we sure do. And then we'll have this little awkward moment where I just look at you, and it's like, and then I'm going to tell you, since God gave you that desire, you should start it, and we'll support you. That's we're empowering people that God puts vision in. That's what it's about. According to Ephesians 4, church leadership equips people and the saints for the works of the gospel, works of the kingdom. That's what we are. So actually, whenever I stepped into this role as a pastor, I actually stepped out of ministry and put you in ministry, and I'm equipping you for ministry, is what, biblically is what it looks like. So I don't see anywhere in the New Testament the world being commanded to come into the church, but I see the church being commanded frequently to go into the world. And so that's what we need to see as a church because our primary evangelism in this church is not going to be me up here sharing the gospel each week through a megaphone, but it's going to be us going into the streets, going into our jobs, going to our communities to share the gospel through the way that we live and through the way we love people. That's the way it's going to have to look. And as a church, I want us to be a people who say Jesus and his mission will always be first in all that we do, and, that, and there's no time to waste because, if there's no, because I, have a, I have a timeline on my life. There's a timeline on how many days I'm going to be here. I'm going to use every single second, every single minute to declare the gospel to people around me. And I have to be that way because it says it in Scripture. And this is going to express itself in two ways. You, me, all of us, we need to be saying we will do whatever it takes to reach the lost. Are you with me on that? We need to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. That means getting over ourselves. That means getting over the fear of man. That means getting over, I don't know enough. That means getting over those things and reaching the lost because without Jesus, people will perish. And if we have the answer and we don't give it to them, that's cruel. The second thing is we'll do whatever the Holy Spirit says no matter what. No matter what. Holy Spirit speaking, I'm going to do it. Yes, sir. We're going. Yes, but here's what happens. When churches like ours get bigger, people begin to settle in, right? We settle in, and we experience this strange inertia that begins to slow down because people get set into this entitlement. Uh, you know, this is, this is my church. This is, this, they, they're, they're, they're giving me what I need. I like that music. I like that pastor. He preaches. I don't like that pastor. I just come up with the music, whatever it may be. Influence, influence starts to wane. The influence you have starts to go away. We move, into, we move away from, from mission and move more into maintenance. 
right? We move away from the mission and we move into, let's just make sure everything's okay in the church. We go from reckless, reckless in the mission to comfortable in the institution. Anybody ever experienced that? And I saw a chart in a sermon recently, so I can't say this is mine, but I wish I could. Um, it opened my eyes and it explained the difference between a first-generation church and a second-generation church. A first-generation basically is the trailblazers. God said it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go after what he's called me to do, and it's going to be great. The, the second generation are the people who are riding the coattails of the trailblazers. And this is what it looks like. A first-generation church does whatever it takes. Does whatever it takes. While a second-generation church does what, what, only what I'm asked to do. Are you tracking with me on that? The first-generation church, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm in. The second-generation church does only what I'm asked to do. The next one is the first-generation church assumes personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. The second-generation church assumes someone else will do it. There's a difference between I'm assuming personal responsibility to uh, somebody else will get it. Y'all got to hear these. The next one is the first-generation church expects personal sacrifice. They know it's going to cost them something to see God move. They know it. The second generation church expects personal comfort. Give me this so I'll be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. I don't like that color. I don't, you know, they do that. The first generation church sees a problem and they seek solutions. I'm going after the solution. After the solution. I'm going after it. The second generation sees problems and then complains. And this is hard to hear, I know, because this, 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 this talks about me. The first-generation church sees possibilities and dreams about what could be. The second-generation church just sees barriers and reasons to quit. Y'all hearing these? The first-generation church hears the voice of God firsthand and owns the vision. The second-generation church inherits the vision secondhand and questions every decision. The first-generation church steps out with bold, reckless trust in God while the second-generation church sits satisfied in the stability of their church, the thing that's already been built for them. The first-generation church fears holding anything back from God. I can't hold anything back from him. The second-generation church fears commitment. And then the last one, the first-generation church feels privileged to be a part of the movement. I'm a, it's a privilege. It's not a right. The second generation church feels entitled to the benefits of the movement. And so my question for you this morning as the church is which one are you? And if you want those, I can give them to you. Just let me know after church. Which one are you? Are you a first generation believer, a first generation church? Are you a second generation church? My heart is that we will be a first generation church. And we believe God is moving in such a way that tells us that, that tells us he wants to do something special in this place, but it's going to take first-generation faith. It's going to take first-generation faith. It's going to take a church that is committed to the mission of God and to raising up the next generation to be first-generation thinkers too. Joshua 24, 15, it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then two chapters over is a sad picture. In Judges chapter 2, 
verse 10. It says, after that whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, that means they died, okay? Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done in Israel. I pray to God that we will be a generation of a church that would point to Jesus in a way that raises up the next generation coming behind us, in a way that they would have the same mindset of service and giving and loving and going as we do. But before that happens, we have to have that in our hearts. We have to wake up. We have to understand. And I pray that our church, we'll be a church that remembers what God has done and we raise up a generation that knows. And so today, as we close, as Connection Church, which one are you? Are you a first-generation church that goes first, that does whatever it takes, that assumes personal responsibility for the mission of God, that assumes sacrifice will be a part of it, but has faith that God is here and God is moving and God is willing to do anything through us that his heart desires that we would just be willing and able to go. And what we'll see in our day will surpass anything that you can imagine. Or are we a second generation church? We're going to ride the coattails of those who have gone before us, who have done the church plant thing before, all these things. Expect things to be handed to us, having an entitled mentality, always seeking comfort. Here's my personal promise to you. My personal promise to you as, as a pastor, as your pastor, as, as, as just as a man. I promise you I will always be a pastor that pushes you to be a first-generation church thinking, first-generation thinker, and I will fight to see our church follow Jesus first in all that we do. I promise you that will be the way I lead. Because there are new people to reach. There are new communities, new cities to reach. Another generation of children down the hall coming up that we need to lead. New nations to impact that are across the ocean that have never heard the name of Jesus. And I can't live with that. In the next 10 years, we want to be a church that has a plan in churches in other cities and around the world. And we want to send missionaries across the globe to reach unreached people groups. That may be some of you sitting here today. We'll be praying out you out of here, going to the unreached people groups and praying, and that you would just go and live there and present the gospel and love people. But all of this is going to be determined by our level of church investment. And that's why God is calling us to a greater church investment. Because we can go only as far as we are invested and rooted in the mission of God. And we can only go as far as you can carry this mission as your own and not mine. And we can only go as far as your ownership of this place allows. We'll be a church that changes our community. Will we be a church that changes our community of an unreached people group that needs the gospel? I believe we will. I believe it in my core my bones, I believe it. But that don't matter. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And it all comes back to those two questions. Does God get my first and my best in all things? And is my relationship with God the one thing that drives everything? And so today, where are you at? Where are you at with that day? Do you know Jesus? Knowing about Jesus will not save you. You can know all the facts about God and you can still die apart from him. And let me tell you this, you can't invest in the church that we've talked about here today until you've trusted Jesus with your life. You become a part of the church, and Jesus takes up residency in your heart as you trust him and as you give yourself to him and trust him alone. Is that you today? And if it is, I'm going to be standing right here after this service. And I want you to walk up, and I want you to talk to me and say, hey, I need Jesus. I need, I need to give my life to Christ. And I will pray with you until 
midnight if I have to. But don't leave here the way you came. Okay? Because I'm telling you, as Jesus begins knocking on your heart over and over and over again, and you don't respond, there's a numbness that comes over you that kind of makes you hard of hearing. Don't leave the same way you came because Jesus loves you to the point of death. He has a plan for you and it far surpasses the 60, 70, 80 years that you're going to live on this earth. So if you need that, come talk to me. If you need to pray afterwards, Kevin's going to pray until everybody's gone. I'll pray for you as long as I need to, but I'm going to pray and then we can be dismissed. But if you need that, come talk to me. So uh, my heart for you today in this whole thing is that we would have a greater church investment as a whole, that we would take ownership and be a family that God's bringing in together to see great and mighty things happen in this community. We good? Okay. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray that you would continue to work, continue to move, Father, in ways that only you can. I pray that you would soften the hearts of people in this place. God, that you would do a mighty work in their hearts, that you would just raise up leaders in this place, raise up missionaries in this place. God, send us out into our community. Send us out into our world. Let us be catalysts for change, Lord. Let us see people come to know you, Jesus, in mighty ways and radical ways. God, I pray for the unreached people group that you're trying to send us to now, and whether it be now or in 10 years, that you would just prepare our hearts. Give us ideas and dreams and goals and aspirations, Father, to do those things. Lord, we love you. God, I pray that you would just be glorified in this place and through every heart here this morning. We just ask all this in Jesus Christ's name.